0: Boys, another podcast. How are we all doing, lads? How are we, gentlemen? How are we all? Yeah, feel good.
1: Me? Not long now.
0: I oh, know. Week out. Wow. Have you got a count- you got a,
1: uh, a countdown whiteboard or something, or like a little advent calendar where you like <laughs> you take a little slice of zucchini or a cucumber off the uh, oh. off
0: the gut? I actually don't, man. I actually don't. Um, I'm just taking every day as it comes and just following the plan. Just just getting it, but I'm just getting super excited.
1: Like yeah. I'm really excited, yeah. Yeah, well, peak week essentially was Sunday or tomorrow, I guess. Saturday's tomorrow, so it's a week out. So it all, not that anything really changes at the start of the week, but um, it's pretty exciting because you just know that like this time next week you're going to be tanned up, feed up, watching TV.
0: Yeah, I've got my um my peak week plan or what it's going to be at the moment. Obviously, it's going to change. It could change on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to uh. To getting it done and getting on stage, I'm really excited, man. I just oh, yeah. I cannot
2: wait. Oh, we we can't wait, man. I'll tell you what, like just the little snippets we've been seeing, and obviously, me and Scott have probably seen a little more than anyone else because we had the posing workshop, and you've been here. But um, there is some some crazy level conditioning under the, under those clothes, and I think it's going to set the standard for the season ahead, man. Which is um which is exciting and just so amped that you're going to be on our stage to start the season, man. We're um, very excited to to
0: to unveil you. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. I'm just, um, I'm really happy regardless of the result, like I'm doing this for myself and um, it's been a long time coming and I'm really happy with how I'm looking and that's all I ever wanted to achieve.
1: Yeah. So.
2: And I think, you know, last weekend at the posing workshop, how we obviously had Belle come out and shoot the photos and just those photos of you in that camera roll, man, where, you know, you weren't, you weren't posing for the camera, you know, that were just candid shots throughout the workshop. And, you know, some of the some of the photos revealed some some conditioning that, you know, is just there. It's natural. You don't have to force it. You know that you're in good shape when someone's taking a photo of you that you didn't know about. And you look back at it and you go, oh, far out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Very exciting. Have, well, you, uh, have you got an idea on numbers, MG? Like, is it looking... Obviously, people don't really register for like the last week anyway. Yeah,
2: but well, we are I mean, c- compared to last show last season, um, which um, was the show that I went to, MT, you were there as well, um, which I wasn't part of it at that stage. We've already got more registered than that one already. So we're, we're well ahead. Um, I think just to give you a bit of an indication, I think last week after the posing workshop, I think Bikini alone, we had um, 12 or 13 registered already. So it's uh, it's going to be That's pretty exciting. exciting. And the quality's high. Like we saw at the posing workshop, both of you oh, boys. Yeah. Before, you know, the quality that, that is competing this season. And we sort of knew it was going to happen, didn't we, because of the COVID years that we had and people sort of putting preps off. But um, across all categories, there looks to be a, a high standard this season. So I'm just freaking amped, man. You know, regardless of whether I was part of it or not, from a federation perspective, even from a coaching perspective, just seeing my team, and um, and the quality that we're putting on stage
1: this year. I can't wait, man. Yeah, it's good. What's the um which is gonna be the most stacked lineup or the most people thus far that have enrolled? Uh, I would say
2: probably as of last week, bikini. Bikini's mm-hmm. looking great. Fitness is gonna be is gonna be quality as well. And and this time around, classics um, looking to to compete with the rest of them in terms of numbers. So it's exciting, man. That's gross, yeah. Is there any bodybuilding? Uh, I think we had four in bodybuilding. Okay. So, um, and again, I haven't checked since last week, but uh, cool. looking positive, man. Looking promising. So pumped.
0: Talking yes. about four and talking about business, MG, four, yes. four years since you've uh, opened yeah. up training in nutrition. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh,
2: man. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Four years, like, I suppose me and I haven't even really had a moment since yesterday to kind of sit back and in and just like enjoy and pat each other on the back and say congratulations because we've just been so busy but you know we got through the first year which first year in any business both of you know better than anyone that you know it's tough you don't have clients you don't have the numbers and then you start to get some ground and then you know we got hit with COVID so we spent two years battling through COVID and then sort of the year coming out has just been the best we've had so the four years has kind of gone like that and we haven't had it hasn't been steady any other way through there's just been so many ups and downs which you can expect in any business but I think tonight we'll take a moment to um to sit down together and just
0: and just um, recap some of the some of the highlights. Yeah, you should definitely celebrate an, an amazing achievement, especially through two years of COVID. And I remember you telling me that through those COVID years, you actually grew your client base. We did. Um, yeah. So that's an amazing, and look, amazing.
2: We did some things in that period that I certainly never wanted to do or saw myself doing when i started like you know i was lugging barbells around in the boot of me Mazda three from one park to the next park to do whatever outdoor session we could get we're advertising online through facebook we got a whole heap of new clients training in parks that had never been into our gym that stayed with us post that period you know and you know it wasn't fun pulling 25 plates out rolling them through the the half muddy grass and trying to bring some mats out so you can get someone a deadlift on an oval and how many times we got caught in the rain with no shelter and yeah, we definitely persevered through, but we came out on the other side better for it, man.
0: Yeah, you were relentless, man, and you sacrificed so much, and it's all paid off. So, congratulations! Thank you <laughs> so much, Jeff, bro. Well
2: done. Thanks,
0: man. All right, let's move into some questions. We've got some good questions, as always. Uh, a fair few comp-related ones, obviously. So, and we actually had a special request. Someone called out Scotty um, to answer these questions, these specific questions. We are have to call it like Scotty's science corner or something. Yeah, we're
2: gonna we're gonna give like this little this little
0: segment, little segment just to, for Scotty, Scotty especially science. for Scotty, yeah. we'll pick his brain. As long
1: as it's within my scope, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everything's
1: that's within everything everything not. Yeah.
0: All right. So I think you're it's right. a question based off some of the things we discussed in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're going to rehash some of the stuff, but just give it a, give it, a, give, it a, give it the attention that it needs. So it said can scotty please explain the relationship between potassium and sodium he has mentioned these two together a couple of times but i would like to know the science behind why they are linked and there was another question very similar saying what's the reason behind using salt in peak week so i think they're kind of all linked there
1: yeah cool so firstly sodium and, and potassium so obviously just to go back a little bit at the start so there minerals or electrolytes. So um, obviously our bodies store them, we ingest them in food. Um, People are probably more familiar with sodium in terms of like utilizing or potentially some people manipulate sodium. Not that we advocate for that um, on this podcast, but people do do that and have probably heard of people doing that um, in the past. But so we can start with that, but I guess with sodium and potassium, so those electrolytes firstly... They play a big role in um, nerve signaling for us to be able to firstly just to, to produce muscular contraction. So first and foremost, we need to think it's a bodybuilding competition. We want to make sure that we can display our physique to the best of our ability. So in order to do that, we want to make sure that we have a really good balance of electrolytes. So electrolytes also are going to play, and in particular these two are going to play a big role in our fluid balance, so whether we... Are holding more fluid um, intracellularly versus extracellularly. So in terms of people understanding that, so intracellularly, we're talking about inside the cell, and extracellularly, we're talking about outside it. And so the human body, we're going to store it's a sixty-six point six percent or they're about 67, 65, um, depending on um fluid balance and whatnot, intracellularly, and then obviously we're going to hold um the remainder of it, so the other third extracellularly. So what we're looking for when we're competing is we want to optimize. We, we're basically looking for U hydration, so we don't want to be dehydrated, and obviously we don't want to be uh, hyperhydrated to the point where we're essentially diluting um, blood plasma osmolarity. So, in terms of why would we consume potassium? Everyone talks about um, everyone talks about the importance of having sodium or manipulating it. So again, we just spoke about the way that our intracellular water is held and our extracellular water is held. So we store, um, potassium intracellular and we saw, uh, we store sodium extracellular. So it's really important that when we're considering those two variables, that we want to have the right balance. So we know that typically on show day in an hour out or in the lead up to it, we're going to, or that's what um, we do. We typically are going to load a little bit more sodium, um, just to try and obviously increase, um, increase uh, increase blood pressure so that obviously when we're up on stage when we're really shredded and we're lean it looks like we've got a really good pump and we can display the best physique that we can it's also going to help with uh with vascularity but we need to make sure that we're allowing um for our other electrolyte being potassium because obviously if we're taking on one and we're not taking on the other then we run the risk of having an imbalance which is obviously going to cause our body to potentially shift water where we don't want it to go And more importantly, it can cause us to get a cramp. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen people on stage before who have potentially um, employed water manipulation protocols. And as a result of that, they've ended up cramping on stage. um, And then in in some cases, people who use diuretics end up hypercleaning, which means that um, basically they don't have anywhere near enough potassium and their body starts shutting down and they start cramping. And as we know, a cramp is an involuntary muscular contraction. So there's nothing that we can do about that. So, To summarize it we want to take some potassium in the day before mainly because most people don't realize that you actually need to consume that the ratio that ideally you want to have is a three to one in terms of potassium to sodium so typically society and us in australia and america really bad as well we'll consume a really high sodium diet but we don't place any importance or there's no awareness around um needing to to consume potassium so we want to make sure that we're really evenly balanced across the board so in order to do that We take some potassium on the day before, but again, I'm not really, I don't know about you guys, but most people um, that I'm working with, they're consuming um, some form of white potato pretty much all day, every day throughout their prep. And potassium is a really high form, uh, sorry, white potato is a really high form of potassium. Mm -hmm. And so typically there won't really be any type of loading or anything in regards to that. It'll just make sure that there'll be one or two meals that will um, have some potato in it, or it might be some coconut water or something the day before just so that we know that potassium levels are at a really good point. And then obviously when we do put in an acute dose of sodium around about an hour out, um, it's not going to cause any, you know, major shifts of water. And just to be clear on that as well, just because there are some people who do think that perhaps you can trick your body um, and not consume sodium and that you'll just get a, a massive shift with water. So basically this ratio of, of three to one, so or sorry, two to one, so to speak is, your body is not going to give up grounds no matter what you do. So if you're like, I'm going to stop consuming water and I'm going to not take sodium, all that happens is your body releases, your kidneys release, a, um, or the adrenal glands release a hormone called aldosterone. And what that does is it stops you excreting sodium so that you reabsorb it. And all that does is, yes, you may change the ratio, but not in the way that you think. So let's, let's assume that you've got... Um, 666 mils of water on one side and you've got 333 on the other if you're dehydrated your body needs to obviously have water in order for it to be able to function as a human being so it might take um, 100 mils out extracellularly but you, you might also lose 100 mils intracellularly and so you have to weigh up the cost of doing business yes I might have taken some water out from the extracellular layer but then I'm taking some out from the intracellular layer so essentially, my muscles are going to appear smaller. And given that our muscles are around 75% water, we're essentially just bastardizing the look. So long story short, you don't need to do that. Keep things very simplistic. Um, Recommendations would be to consume um, a good source of potassium um, leading into the show, but people should be doing that anyway on a day-to-day basis. And then sodium would stay the same. And then typically, depending on the athlete and how they respond to sodium, we'd look at Perhaps an acute dose of anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred milligrams within that sort of one hour out window. Yep. Yeah. I think you nailed it, yeah. man. Yeah. Sorry just, if that just, was too much and I ran on just
0: so we're not fully geeky with our words, can we assume that uh, intracellular is within the muscle and extracellular yeah, so is on the skin or what people say it's under the skin?
1: It, yeah. Outside that layer, yeah. So yeah. you've got layer so just think inside the cell and then there's an interstitial layer so it's sort of like a little barrier in between and then yep. we've got our extracellular layer and when we're talking about as well should probably simplify a little bit when we're talking about blood plasma osmolarity or osmolality um, we're talking about basically the concentration of your blood plasma, uh, blood plasma. so is in like whether it's really re- so if we're saying that we're diluting blood, blood sodium levels it means that the amount of sodium within your blood is lessened versus obviously if we were increasing it, then obviously it would be increasing the amount of sodium within your blood. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And why so potassium is okay a day before? Does it not? How long will your body hold onto that potassium before it gets depleted and needs another dose?
1: Well, everyone's different essentially. And this is the other thing. So your kidneys are working on a minute-by-minute basis to regulate um, your body fluid levels. So if you're holding onto too much potassium, then you'll just excrete more of it. If you're holding on to too much sodium, then you'll just piss out more, more sodium. So, the so if I, I,
0: if I took so- potassium in the day before and I didn't take anything in for a day or two, is that okay? Mm-hmm. The body will just hold on to the potassium because it's, no, it's not getting it in?
1: Hold on. So start again. So you're saying so you're competing on a Saturday and you're taking potassium...
0: On a Friday? Mm-hmm. How long until I need to really top it back up? Well...
1: Keep, again, keeping in mind that we're not really going to be doing all that much, and the window is not going to be that um, that high. But essentially, th- those levels, unless you're excreting lots of water or you're sweating out lots of fluids over a 24-hour basis, you should be able to keep them pretty much yeah. um, at baseline. But again, whether you're in prep or you're not, just any human being, we should, in order for us to maintain um, really good U hydration, so a really high level of homeostasis. And in order for us to have a a really even balance of electrolytes, we need to make sure that we should really be consuming a three-to-one ratio in that regard anyway.
0: And and with the sodium, you said we have like a shot of sodium um, an hour before before stage time. Does Mm -hmm. sodium react quicker, absorb quicker compared to potassium? Is that why we need to do it so quickly?
1: Uh, No, not not necessarily. So they'll they'll normally work pretty quickly in sync. And typically you'll see it like, um, I remember... More so working with footballers and athletes when if someone was cramping obviously if they're sweating heaps or it's a hot day again a cramp is an involuntary muscular contraction so there's an imbalance between sodium on one side and potassium on the other and it's typically because if they're dehydrated then obviously they um, they need to get fluid in but it can sometimes mean that if they're sweating lots we excrete a lot of sodium when we sweat so typically you'll get them to either take a salt tablet or perhaps some magnesium as well that and then Again, if you're not quite sure if it's one or the other, you know, a few bites of the banana. So that way you're topping up on potassium and you're also topping up um, on, on sodium as well. But essentially you just want to try and keep things really basic and simplistic. And again, the whole taking in sodium before you're going to go on, if you're a bikini competitor, is it going to make a difference? Not at all. If you're Trimboli who's shredded and, you know, is super, super lean, you, you watch, man. Are you, are you just out of curiosity? Has Brandon, has B got you taken sodium in there? Hour he or two hasn't
0: hours. set the show day plan yet. Okay. I mean, the stage times and things like that. But yes, I'd assume so. Yes.
1: Yeah, cool. So I'm pretty sure he he would do things um, how I do things, but I could be wrong. But typically, we would want to have um, we would want to have that going in there as well. But the other reason, and, and I skimmed on this before, but typically as well, when we're taking on carbohydrate the day before and the day of the show especially as naturals, our nutrient partitioning, so our our body's ability to be able to absorb nutrients and partition it where we want it to go, is really shit when we're super, super lean. And when we're taking on more carbohydrate, we need A, water to be able to shuttle that, but the glucose transporters in our small intestine are also sodium-dependent. So if you're someone that is trying to increase carbohydrate intake and you're not consuming water, that's a big um, red flag straight away. And then if you think I'm also not gonna take on sodium, then it's not gonna work. So if you wanna optimize the delivery and the absorption of that glycogen, of that um, carbohydrate you're taking on, you need sodium to help deposit that in there as well. So that's also why the day before, you know, you wouldn't stop seasoning your food, you're not gonna over season, but um, I always just say whatever you've been doing, keep it exactly the same as you would. And then on show day, um, Again, we'll take on a little bit of salt with each meal, but not over seasoning so that, again, we can put those carbohydrates in. And then, right before we're about to go in, typically um, we'll look at something with a, a really quick, fast acting carbohydrate um, and then a little bit of sodium to go with it. And again, people start pumping up and you just watch in lifetime. I mean, you would remember when we, when, um, Michael was competing in season A. You can just see it in the flesh, and it just everything just sort of comes to life. It's almost instantaneous. It's actually really cool to watch. But again, it will only work if you've got someone that's really, really, really shredded. So it's not a magic pill. If you're not stage ready, then you can take all the sodium you want. It's not going to help. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And I think like the other thing is, um, if you if you you your coach and if we're one of your coaches may employ a post-stage meal, so after-show meal. That's not just a free-for-all and, you know, more sodium because you've just had a shitload of sodium. So one of the reasons why I think most of us employ a meal post-stage that's, you know, a fairly normal meal, but typically we'll have either potatoes or a banana added. I know for me personally, I typically will add a banana is because we've just acutely spiked those sodium levels. We've gone on stage, we've done what we needed. So now we're trying to bring that potassium balance in as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing to remember that obviously if you did this all day, every day, again, we're going to see an increase in, um, in blood pressure, which short term, essentially that's what we're looking for because we're doing this for an acute period of time. But as soon as we're done, so I'll typically have my guys, they'll consume a magnesium tablet straight away, banana, perhaps some coconut water. And then there'll be no um, seasoning throughout the rest of the day and they'll be really hydrating. And then obviously going to the gym to train Um, also helps to obviously uh, expend some energy. But obviously, as we're training, we're needing to take on more water as well. And what you'll find is if you do that, you'll be able to balance those levels out. Because when you get off stage, the chances are like you might have been peeing clear majority all morning, and then you haven't taken on any water for the last sort of 90 minutes to two hours for your show time. Not because you're cutting water, but because we don't want water in our stomach. You've also taken on sodium. So essentially, your body's just slowly, slowly, slowly um, becoming a little bit dehydrated. So as soon as we finish, we just want to rehydrate you again. And again, we need to get that, that electrolyte balance back on track. And we do that by taking on potassium um, and then obviously by taking on water. And to be honest, your kidneys will do the rest of it. So yeah. they, they basically do all the, the grunt work for us. If we've got too much sodium in our blood, Um, then essentially when we do go to the bathroom, the concentration of our urine will be, um, will be a lot more, um, concentrated essentially. So we'll piss it out. Yeah. Basically.
0: Yeah. Pretty much. All right. I think we nailed that one. I, I got a really funny question. Well, I thought it was funny, but it's kind of similar. Uh, dry oats on comp day with peanut butter. Any science slash secret to why people do that? Come on, Scotty. What's the science behind dry oats <laughs> and peanut butter? What's, what's the methodology behind so, it? So in what happens oats. is
1: when you eat food dry, it actually sucks all the water out in that extracellular layer and it just makes you look drier. Yeah, and-
2: it just takes it takes out 2% body fat instantaneously, actually. Uh, so I don't even need to get shredded, man. Like, what you, even I need to, you actually don't even need to diet. You actually don't even need to be in a calorie deficit anymore. You just need to have... Oh, what if I add salt to my oats? As long as you've got the equal balance of potassium.
1: Yeah. There's, there's no I mean, reason, is it? We're, we're not being serious here. We're just being a bit silly. But um, I haven't seen that for a while. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but I, have, I do know of some people perhaps in the past, only because some of my clients that I've worked with have perhaps experienced that protocol. And again, it just doesn't make any sense. So your body... Firstly, again, you need water. I don't know how you'd actually eat it. Um, and also,
0: it's got, it's got fiber in it too. Like, it's going to sit in your guts.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if, if you're going to prescribe oats, for me, they would be like a, an early morning meal, a little bit of fats, which isn't going to be the worst thing. But you're not going to be having them dry. You would just have them as you normally would uh, with water. So I would argue that you're going to have a pretty hard time, A, digesting it, B, physically eating it. But also, I don't know why you'd want to have such a, a really high-fat meal that is just because oats aren't low in fat. They've got a, a, an okay amount yeah. of fat.
0: So the only, yeah. thing, I can, the only yeah. thing I can think is, have they prescribed it for breakfast? But because the coach said cut water, you can't put anything with it? That must be the only reason behind it. Yeah. I, I genuinely think that but some that, people... That would, that,
1: that, that, that would be the reasoning. It literally just sucks no all the water from that extracellular layer. But again, if if your body is losing water extracellularly, guess what your body's going to do? It's, it's going to take it. it from the intracellular layer. Yeah. And that is where we yeah. want it to be because, again, we spoke about this, our muscle tissue is is around 75% water. So we want to make sure that we've got as much, as much water in there as we can.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I, yeah. All I'd say is if your coach has told you to, to do that, Maybe eat that meal if you... I, I wouldn't. I mean, a little bit of peanut butter is all right, but I would, I would definitely add water to it because it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to be deleterious to to your stage showing. If anything, it's going to be able to help you to physically eat it. But otherwise, because the other thing is, well, I can't eat oats because I'm a celiac, but wouldn't it be really crunchy and hard on your teeth? That, yeah. That, that, that tiny bit of water to cook it once, it, once the oats hit your
2: stomach, like what difference is that going to make to the answer? Yeah. But to like answer the question... Uh, there, there is nothing specific or no proven reason why you would do that. Someone, yeah. someone has maybe thought that, like Scotty said, that it being dry means that when you eat it, it's going to have to need some water to soften it from somewhere else, so it's going to pull it out. But uh, but no. Yeah.
0: Just, okay. Just no. Um. Move on. <laughs> similar, similar context, but about supplements. So, yeah. should you remove creatine? And mm-hmm. on the supplements during peak week to be safe. Yeah. Um, and then an I actually saw, I saw... someone yeah. said, Should you pull creatine the week before the show to come in harder, or doesn't yeah. that work?
2: I actually got asked, I actually had started with someone who had a protocol in a previous peak week where they were told to pull it out four to six weeks out, which mind boggles me. So, like, I'll hand it over to Scott in a second, but ultimately, like, if you think about creatine as, you know, cellular hydration and the ability to have a, a full um, hydrated muscle, that look on stage is, is what we're chasing. So taking away a tool that you've potentially had in for 20, 26, maybe the whole year round to give you that fullness, to give you that look, to pull it out one week out makes absolutely no sense to me. I think the I think is this the misconception? Maybe Scotty, tell me, is this the misconception out there that if you pull it out, you'll look drier? Is this what people think? Like you pull creatine out, creatine water water. So it creatine water, water yeah. so it's I'm gonna look less watery, but it's 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 holding water within the muscle, which is gonna give us a good look and a good pump. So it's putting water where we want it, and if we take it away. And what did you say, like Scott, you you summed that really well before, like ultimately if if there's no water outside the cell, we're gonna start pulling water from inside the cell, so.
1: Yeah, so your body is so much smarter than what you are. So if it senses that there is an imbalance, and again, again, keeping in mind that your kidneys job is to, they're constantly monitoring things. So just think of them, they're they're basically making sure that in, in terms of fluid restoration, everything is on point. If something's not right, they're going to attend to it um, straight away. If you're not consuming enough water, then your body's going to secrete um, the aldosterone hormone, and essentially, you're going to stop excreting water. So, basically, if 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 you are take again, as you you, you summarise it really well, there's no there's no need to do it because you're not pulling water. You may lose some water and some weight, but it's not going to come from where you think it's going to come. So, it's it, it's likely going to come from that intracellular layer. And again, even if there is a slight shift extracellularly over a space of time, your body will correct that anyway, and um, it, it will balance it out, and it will take water from where there's more of. You just got to think, it's supply and demand. So it's like, if I need more of something, and I don't have it over here, but I can see it, it's over there, then your body will just take it from where it is, and it will, will stick it to the other side, and that's the, the most simplistic way to be able to, to explain it. So... I would say if you haven't taken creatine, I I wouldn't start taking it the week of the show, but not because, oh, you're going to hold water, but just because sometimes when people first start taking it, depending on the dosage and if you're doing a loading dose or if you're just taking five grams a day, it's typically you need to – everyone's going to be different, but there's roughly around about – your body can tolerate about 100 to 120 um, grams to, to get complete saturation. So you'd either do that over seven or eight days or you can just do it slowly over five grams a day. So you're not really going to get any of those effects. And if you were going to try and load it the week of the show, you probably are going to get some um, gastrointestinal duress because some people, most people do react barely to 20 grams or more in an acute dose over every single day. But if you've been taking it, like I don't reckon I've stopped taking creatine since I was like 26. And I would, I would never have it the day before um, I compete. It was. I always have it in my post-training shake. It's the same as usual. So your body doesn't think, "Oh, I'm competing tomorrow, so you know now I'm going to fuck you up because you're taking creatine." <laughs> you've you've been consuming for such an extended period of time. It's quite the norm. I would say that it's more risky to pull it out because your body knows it. It's acclimated to it. If you've got complete saturation, then it's not a problem. Leave it, you know, just leave. Yeah, it. it's it's not, it's like he said, the body's way smarter than we are. Yeah, it's, it's very, very intelligent. But other supplements, I think you need to be careful with certain pre, pre-workouts pre because a lot of them do have um, hidden additives um, or byproducts of a certain additive that are that are, are banned. I know for a while there, there was a, a byproduct of um, Amperol and Amp Nitrate, which is on the, the wider ban list and a lot of pre-workouts do have that. So I think you've got to look through it. But for the sake of being super cautious, I actually had this conversation with all of my team a week ago that if they're taking a, a pre, they need to cease it and then all they're going to take now, they can have a, um, a coffee or they can take a caffeine tablet and then they just take their beta alanine and citrulline malate yeah. um, as they would because these products are not going to, um, they're safe and they're, they're legal to take. But unless it has to certified and it has that little sticker on it and if, if you're in really good condition, if, if it was me, I'm like, why would you risk it? You know? Yeah.
0: You're Actually, Brandon, not Brandon, Brandon, you
1: question. Yeah, but but you yeah. take but you take a pre-workout, um, and you're not doing it to burn fat. But there's just something in there that's banned, which there there are. There's very rare. Um, it's very rare that there's a pre-workout that is 100 percent clean. Um, for me, it's risk for reward. So if you're going to do it, I I've used I, for my last comp. I got it's from. There's Masashi. No, no I wasn't it wasn't. Wasn't that one? It escapes me. It is, I can't, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. I think I've got it at home because I literally had it for the day of the show and then that was it. But it's, it's to certified. So it has that little symbol um, on it. But for the sake of it, to be honest, it's not really worth it because there's not really anything in there other than a little bit of caffeine. And yeah. for my guys, I'm like, they, they buy the caffeine tablets. You'll take that. You take some citrulline and some beta alanine as you normally would. And then a little bit of diet cordial and knock it back. And there's your there's your pre pre up Yeah. It's for, for the for the safe for the sake of it and for being safe, um, it's not worth not worth the risk.
0: Yeah, Brandon questioned me. He said, if you're taking pre workout, mate, I want you to switch to this one. It's got this special label on it, means it's not contaminated.
1: <laughs> yep. And um
0: and we'll be good to go. And make sure you swap to this. And I said, mate, I don't take pre workout, so we're good to go, I have a coffee, and that's it. Yep, beautiful. So, yeah, it's, and that's something that uh, I'll employ with with clients for sure, yeah. Okay, so just quickly, so that's been answered. I'm going to jump onto some more supplement ones, but I, just to finish off some concrete ones, there were some questions about uh, weight gain post-show, at what rate, uh, reverse diet questions, cal- about calories, do you go to maintenance, post-show, things like that. We've answered a lot of these in previous podcasts, so I'd advise... Uh, That person asked that question to go through some previous podcasts, have a look at the descriptions, have a look at all the questions that were asked, and it would have been answered in there. Also Uh asked a question about timeframes of um, how long an off-season should be competing between shows and things like that, which she spoke about how long an off-season should be and and planning those. So we've also spoken about that too. So make sure you check out some of the previous podcasts. But staying on supplements, um, EAAs and BCAAs. Yes or no? Which is the best supplement? Timing around training, which is more ben- beneficial, or both? Opinions on, on all three. So, BCAAs and EAAs, is there one better than the other? Do we put them around training? Are they both good? The so, e, e, EAAs <laughs>
1: and firstly, BCAAs are so branched chain amino acids or essential amino acids. So that's what we're we're talking about for those that um don't know what they stand for so for a while there everyone sort of thought the branch chain amino acids were the holy grail um because that there was a strong correlation between that and um spikes in muscle protein synthesis but they later um, identified that it was leucine which is a branch chain amino acid but it's leucine um that is the amino acid which um, we need to consume um in order to get that uh, muscle protein synthesis spike so is it essential? Um, no, I don't take branched chain amino acids. But in terms of essential amino acids, so essential amino acids is basically just a form of taking protein. So it's not unlike taking your W WPI, but they taste nicer and they're obviously in a um, in you have them with ice or whatever, like as an intra workout as an intra workout um, drink whilst you're training. I think they can be advantageous if you firstly in prep when. Perhaps you're looking at stretching out your meals. I think it can be beneficial to be able to have them. So if you're someone that's um, perhaps going to fast for the first five, or six hours of the day because you want to say before you're going to consume a meal, then perhaps just sipping on some of those throughout the day is going to be beneficial because they are a complete protein source um, and provided it depends how much you're having. We, we typically need about 20 grams of protein, of a complete protein source to get a spike in um, MPS. But I think if you're training faster, then absolutely you should be taking them because otherwise you're going to be breaking down um, protein, especially if you're um, following a lower-carbohydrate diet. But otherwise, if you're someone that struggles to hit your protein intake, um, they, they can be really good bang for your buck. But otherwise, if you're taking 15 grams let's say that 15 grams of protein at 60 calories, that's not a lot of food. If that's someone, most people aren't going to be too upset about losing 15 grams of their daily intake of protein for the sake of incorporating that either during your training, when you are training and you're in the dieting state, um, can it be maybe minutely better? I, I personally think so perhaps. it. Um, and again, for the sake of it, it's not going to do you any harm. So for the risk of, me taking on a little bit of extra protein during that workout and um, preventing me from perhaps breaking down too much muscle if I am in a really aggressive digging phase. For me, then it's worth the the investment. But is it essential? I don't think so. It just comes down to preference if you can afford it. They're not really a costly endeavor. It's like 50 bucks for a big tub. Um, So if you want to have them, then you can. But otherwise, if if you're getting a minimum of four bolus protein feedings, so four feedings of protein a day, then um, then that's fine. So yeah. if, like, what if you had that? to
0: pick one, if you had to pick one, which one would you buy?
1: EAAs. Not all okay. amino acids. Yeah. The thing
0: is, a lot of them come as a blend together, to be honest. I see a lot yeah. of them, they come as a mix. Yeah. so <laughs> you can always do that. Another thing is, make sure you track them correctly. That's what I was about so to say. You don't the label because it says zero calories for most of them, but it is protein. So mm-hmm. if you're taking three yeah. grams, it's three grams of protein. Track it as three grams of protein. Yeah. And, your and sometimes protein. sugar alcohols as well, right? Like- and sometimes sugar alcohols, them, so be careful. Yeah.
2: And like Scott said, like if you're looking for a minimum servings of you know 15 to 20 grams of protein, a lot of them have like three to five grams per scoop, but they're advertising it on the label as EAAs, and if you just have the one scoop, you're getting three to five grams. So, and then you're not tracking it as well. So all of a sudden, you know, for you to get the 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 doses that you know you require to potentially get the benefit, you're having to have three to four scoops. Now you thought it was twenty calories; it's now eighty. So just yeah. these things are things that like you definitely want to be um, looking out for. Scott, I want to ask you a question. Like, I'm an off-season athlete. I'm a I'm a bikini or a, or even like a men's classic guy, and I'm deleting. You know, five six hundred calories above my maintenance day in day out, and I'm getting <laughs> five servings per day. Am I am I wasting my money?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't bother if you're getting that much. Then you, your body your body doesn't need it. It's more so, again, for me. I think when you're in the dieting condition, because the risk of catabolism is going to be higher Definitely. when you are in the dieting condition, and so risk for reward the one thing that we don't want to do when we're, when we're dieting, even though it's just a cost of doing business, there is going to be some muscle loss, but we want to try and preserve as much of that harder and tissue that we've built in the off season as we can. So again, for me, it's, um, it's something probably really only at the, the real back end that I personally um, employ. And again, I can justify it because I think 15 grams, I can afford to do it. And also I know that I'm having it. My sessions are typically pretty lengthy. So, it's, it's ensuring that, again, whilst I'm training, that I'm not running that risk. And especially if you've got clients, like let's say that you eat your pre-workout meal um, two hours before you're going to train, you finish your clients, then you train. If you're going to train for 90 minutes to two hours and then you're just going to have a shake and then you've got your, say, another two or three clients before you can actually have your meal, then perhaps sipping on them or drinking them again, you're just ensuring that you're still offering your, your body and you're getting some... Um, Amino's into your bloodstream so that you can, um, you can make sure that again that we're not ending the day in a catabolic state. Yeah,
0: awesome. So Uh,
1: so
2: another another... circumstantial and situational.
1: Yeah, but otherwise off season wise, unless you're you're on really bad cows and you're only eating two or three meals a day, I wouldn't waste your money. Perfect. All right,
0: another protein related question. This one is about whey versus casein. Pros and cons of each, should I be having a combination shake for muscle gain and to keep appetite at bay? I I I haven't yeah. had casein powder since I was since back in the day when it was all about you must have it before bed so that you don't your muscles don't shrink while you're in bed and you wake up you know in a catabolic state. I haven't had it since those bloody yeah. myths back then. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, the, I'm the same, man. I um
2: I pretty much only have and I isolate sometimes after I train, you know, within maybe a two hour window, it depends on the day. Sometimes I don't have a, a protein at all, it depends on what food I'm eating for the day. Um, if you're someone who struggles to get food in, uh, potentially it can be opportunistic. I don't think that, like, necessarily there's anything that says that, you know, eating casein before bed is going to make you bigger. I don't think there's any research or studies that that can show that. So, you know what, if you're someone, like I know the big thing at the moment is everyone's on the, like that Muscle Nation custard. Mm. I, I, I feel like that's a big one. Um, if you enjoy that custard, it fits within your your plan and, you know, it's 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 trackable, measurable. It helps you get to your protein goal because you don't like to eat big meals. I've got no issue with it. But as long as you're eating it for the right reasons, not thinking that, you know, your, your progression or gains are coming because you're having a slower digesting protein. So, for example, like Scott, if I was to have um, and isolate shake before bed and a tablespoon of peanut butter to potentially slow my digestion versus having a casein protein. Do you see much difference? Yeah, and that's what I was just going to say. I,
1: in, in prep, i typically have, and I know you have, I think you have yogurt, don't you, bolly. Yeah, yep. don't
2: you have canned food?
1: Yeah, I love canned so, so that, that's what I'll typically do. i always have um, Chobani yogurt with protein powder. And then a heap of strawberries, so fiber, which is also going to slow down the digestion. And then I normally have a good serve of peanut butter, because again, that way I'm consuming um, protein and I'm consuming fat, so the rate at which they're going to be digested is going to be slower. And then it's going to do the exact same thing. So yeah, I don't see the point in. And to be honest, I think it's a, it's a, it's a waste of money. It's just marketing um, at the end of the day. But I think everyone should. I think it's beneficial to have a good protein feeding before you're going to go to bed, especially when you're in the dieting condition. Um, a, because even just from a thermic effect of food perspective, when you're sleeping, obviously, um, the amount of energy that your body requires to break down, say, protein, you're looking at roughly 20 to 30%, um, somewhere within that range of what you're having. So that, when you're trying to get leaner, whilst you're also getting a, an NPS spike and you're satiating yourself, you know, it's three green ticks for me, so I don't think you need to, to waste your money on those custard whatever they are. I've, I've personally never done them. I've had companies send me out their, um, their whatever they are, the sachets for them to try and whatnot, but I don't even try them. I just – there's a lot of other shit they put in as well and sugar, alcohols, and for me, I just I – just, yeah, you put in unnecessary things and sweet um, sweeten your body. A, that lot you're of anthem
2: gum. a lot of xanthan gum as well, right? Yeah. So like that fluffiness and that feeling of fullness and – I've seen a lot of people run into issues just freaking overdoing xanthan gum, like to give themselves volume when they're dieting.
1: And they're like, but a lot of people are like they taste so good. Though. And I'm like, well, if they taste really good and they don't have a lot of carbohydrate, that screams sugar alcohols to me. And for someone who, and most people, I don't know many people that react really well to them unless they eat shitloads of them every day. Um, yeah, I don't think it's worth worth it.
0: So just so maybe this person gets a little bit out of this question. Besides, it's a waste of Money and time. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick, and you had to include whey or casein in your diet, and you had to buy a tub of something in the store, which buy one would you pick?
1: Yeah. Whey. Whey. Yeah. make sure it's make sure it's a good quality whey, and be mindful that if you're buying supplements, ideally Australia or New Zealand, because our advertising laws are different to America. So America have a different um, leniency in terms of what's in the product. When if they ever get te- they have to test. Um, the concentration levels, they have more of a, a, a gap in terms of where they need to be within, whereas within Australia, I think we're within 3%. So Australia on New Zealand, if it's coming from America, it's probably, um, it's not going to be as accurate concentration-wise as what it says. But yeah, a way to isolate, ideally if it's hydrolyzed um, and any good product will have that, it will have glutamine in it, um, it'll have those amino acids we spoke about and um, and you'll be set. Whey's actually gone up. I don't know about you guys, but pro- protein costs have gone up. The cost of whey, I mean, everything's gone up. Um, yep.
0: But it doesn't cost what it used to. No. Okay, so we're picking whey. Whey is the, the choice over...
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, sticking onto protein, uh, is it better to consume higher protein amounts in prep? We kind of covered this, right? But just quickly, why would you go higher in
1: protein compared uh, in the prep compared to in the off season well firstly i don't some i would even argue sometimes in the off season there's a need to perhaps bring protein up a little bit more again speaking of the thermic effect of food your body is going to burn more calories breaking that down so if you're someone that's really deep in the off season it could potentially stop them from getting a little bit fatter but in prep we just spoke about it you just want to make sure that you're preserving the tissue that you've worked hard to build so i don't think you need to have necessarily more than what you ordinarily would be having so if you're dieting i think anywhere between depending on the athlete but two to 2.5 grams per kilo of body weight um in the off season sometimes i'll take people up to to three grams again for that reason that i just explained but i think 2 to 2.5 grams is going to be fine. The other thing is as well, it's it's, protein is a lot more satiating as well. So I think if someone was to prescribe, say, 1 gram or 1.5, that might be the bare minimum in terms of what you need. But I think in terms of, like, maintaining um, satiation and, again, getting some of that, the thermic effect of food benefits, I think it's it's beneficial to have at least 2 grams per kilo of body weight.
0: I, th- yes. I think in prepping it to ensure that you're having sufficient amount of protein re- to retain muscle mass. In off season, the coach may prescribe slightly higher protein only because if your calories are higher, inherently your protein may go higher because of the foods that you're eating mm-hmm. and to be more palatable and have more ra- well-rounded meals. But essentially main uh, less for all the other things that Scotty just explained, you may not need to bump it up too much, but yeah. normally if it's, If it's set and it's set at a good enough level to actually retain muscle mass in prep and building muscle mass in the off season, you pretty much leave it where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And if you
2: ask, Uh, sorry, I was going to say, I know it's also practice where people say, look, if I'm in a reasonable calorie surplus and I have been for a long period of time, and you know, potentially someone who's got a good metabolism, genetics are good, and they're not putting on tons of body fat that protein can be bought slightly down because you're in a calorie surplus. So you potentially don't need as much. Is
1: yeah. That... And, and there's even times where like I've got someone at the moment who we're digging on pretty low calories for her and her protein level isn't two grams per kilo of body weight. And that's because carbohydrate is obviously the body's preferred source of energy. And so um, I made a call, a judgment call. She's still consuming enough. Um, it's, might be like 1.4 grams um, per kilo of body weight. But instead of making a a reduction from carbohydrate, I took it from protein. And that was because the thought process was that that extra carbohydrate would be better um, delivered toward her training and peri-workout nutrition because essentially that's going to give her the ability to train better versus if you take from one system and then all of a sudden there's a massive decrease in training performance and that could cost you 100 or 150 calories a day then you would have been better off not changing anything unless you're making an adjustment more than that. You're better off to, to perhaps take from the other side. Um, but that's only really in extreme, um, in extreme cases. Yeah, And just to explain for some people,
2: just when Scotty's talking about being satiated, because I've mentioned it in a few emails to, to, to team members who have said oh, I can explain what that means, just basically just... being satisfied, being full, um, the level of satisfaction from, from finishing a meal. So he's just saying that typically if you're going to consume a chicken breast, that's going to be far more satiating than say, um, you know, a small bowl of
1: cereal, right? Yeah. And, and with that, with protein. So just to really, if there's people here who want some easy takeaways, so basically if you're in prep, you want to have at least four protein feedings a day. You want to make sure that the meal before you train and the meal after you train, or it doesn't even have to be either or, but I think it's beneficial to have it 90 minutes either side of, of both windows but ideally has around 0.4 to 0.5 grams simplified, say half half a gram per kilo of body weight. So if you're a 60 um, kilogram bikini or sports athlete, whatever, make sure that you've got 30 grams of protein and you want to consume that with some carbohydrate because we know that when we do have a protein ingestion with carbohydrate, that does extend that muscle protein synthesis window. And especially when you pair that as well with resistance training. So they're two of the things. So four protein feedings, half a gram per kilo of body weight um, pre and post, and then consume some carbohydrate um, with with both of those meals. And that's it.
0: Awesome, man. Nailed it. Let's move on to a coaching question. How do I choose who to work with out of the three of you? You all seem like mm-hmm. amazing coaches. And then she explains that she's a first-time competitor and, and when she wants to wants to compete. Uh, in the future, and what time frame? Yeah. How does she choose between us three? It's a good question. question. Who's yeah, the most yeah. handsome? Yeah,
1: <laughs> probably Trimboli. He's shredded. He looks good. He
0: right, he's a I, specimen. I would he's say, a... just like you would pick any other coach. Yeah. You know, see, see what type of clients that they they work with. See what the results they get. Uh, look at the clients. You know, stalk their clients. Talk to their clients. Have a look at the team they have. See with see if you'll gel with the type of team that they have. And then talk to each of them and, and, and communicate with them and see how you vibe with that, that person. Mm-hmm. Obviously, their price point, how they work, whether they're online, whether they're face-to-face, whether they're a blend of both. And and then go from there. That's how you pick a coach. Just do your uh, due diligence and make sure you do your research and yeah. and, and look at all, all aspects of their coaching. Yeah, none, and book
2: this, like, none of us are doing anything – like crazy different to the other in terms of like strategies that we don't, like you've seen from 14 episodes, you know, we're pretty much agreeable on most topics. So I think MT just nailed it. Like find your vibe um, and um, and yeah, talk to other people. It's a good way.
1: Yeah. And if it's, if it's someone else, like if you're just like, oh, I'm looking at certain, certain people, as you said, MT, I think it's very beneficial to perhaps just reach out. Everyone's pretty friendly on Instagram these days. Reach out to perhaps some of their athletes, get their vibe for it and book, book a consult. It's pretty rare these days that you'll have, I know if I'm ever onboarding, if I'm taking new athletes, it's pretty rare that I won't have like that interview process. It's for them to make sure that obviously they get all the questions that they're answered on their behalf, but also for us as uh, as coaches to make sure that, you know, that we, we vibe and that obviously we as coaches have expectations of our athletes and from what we expect. And maybe you might be like, you know what? Um, perhaps you know you're maybe not going to be best suited to me. Um, these are some people that I can suggest for you, or whatever, or and just go. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think having a consult is definitely beneficial because at least that way you can pre-plan a list of questions that you want to ask. And I think if they're a good coach, they'll have answers to all of those things. And um, and again, it gives the coach the opportunity to, as uh, as MG said, just to see if you guys vibe, and then if you do, go from there. Uh,
0: funny thing, just going to mention it as a red flag that people have told me is whenever they inquire with a coach and a coach just sends back pricing and some just basic information and the first thing that coach doesn't want to do is actually, hey, let's set up a chat. Let's have a chat. Red flag. So if you reach out to a coach and they don't even want to talk to you, they'll send you a bunch of information and some pricing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, probably look at a coach that actually wants to spend some time to organize a chat and have um, a conversation with you. Yeah, so definitely. Don't all of us do that, so are not going to have an issue there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Another coaching question, uh, so I'll put it straight off this one. Do you coach women for WBFF, or would it be better for going with the WBFF probe because it's more of a glitz and glamour federation? Not doubting your coaching coaching in any way, but I'm highly considering one of you for my next comp. Love your potty, by the way. Oh.
2: Appreciate it. Good question. And like, this comes up a lot, right? I, I would say me and MT, we've spoken about this previously, right? And I think we're on the, the same page. I'm sure Scott would be too. But I think um, when you're thinking about where you want to compete, I don't think that your your coaching choice is as important when you think of something like WBFF, like me and MT have spoken about in the past. I think more probably your posing coach's choice for a federation like WBFF is going to be far more yes. important. I think having a coach that has proven um, track record, getting athletes, both male and female, or whatever, depending on what division you want to do, in shape, is far more important than um, them coaching you for a specific federation. Um, and I know, MT, you and I have said this before, but you know something like a WBFF, potentially choosing where you pose may have a, a,
0: a better outcome for you than, than the coach that you choose. Yeah, the coach is obviously going to uh, make sure you're getting the best shape of your life as per the division and what physique you need. You need. The, for a federation like that, the posing coach is going to be the one that does all the glitz and the glamour. And we know some very, very good WBFF posing coaches that are also athletes that we send our clients to. So we definitely liaise with those people. I have some WBFF competitors and some lined up for next year. Um, there's a little bit of Goss. That potentially next year, middle of the year or late middle of the year, there'll be a show closer to us, potentially in our state for the first uh, time. So, we, we, cool we drop bombs on, 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 this, on this, this podcast. Short. So, yeah, that'll be exciting. But, um, we gave we, we kind of, away Maddie's
2: secret for Maddie. Now, yeah, now it's, dropped the bloody WBFF
0: bombs. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, are you going to do it, Scotty? WBFF, mate. You guys have called me red-handed, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but but yes, you know, like not only WBFF but also other federations, there are great athletes that have a coaching service, which may not be their best service. So be very careful with um, thinking that an athlete, a great athlete, can
1: also be a great coach. Yeah, and again, it comes back to like we said, just because as you said, someone looks great and they're, they it could be genetically blessed, or perhaps in those untested federations as well, some people just respond really, really well to drugs. And if that is perhaps a protocol that they have built their physique around, I think you have to you have to be so careful. Uh, if that's something that you're looking to go down that route, I think you need to be even more selective with who you employ because you want someone that that has a really good background on pharmacology um, in that space. But otherwise, yeah, just because someone looks grouse when they're on stage doesn't mean that they know what they're doing in the coaching. um, Also,
0: you're looking for a coach. So if you go on their social media and there's no photos of their clients and you can't see their coaching results, and you don't know who their clients are, you don't know who, who, what their results are like, and you can't reach out to any of their clients, then there's kind of some red flags for you there. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we've had some clients that have come from these type of people, and it's amazing what, what they've done to these people that we've had to rectify. Yeah.
2: And if you, if you were to speak to one of these coaches, and you've heard any of the stuff we've been talking about in the last 14 episodes that we've said, I don't know why you would do that, that's another.
1: Try oats,
0: oats in the morning, compa. Oh. Try oats and peanut butter. Yeah,
1: yeah. Make sure you do that, Trimoli, next Sunday morning, right?
0: Try oats. I'm going to do it, and then what's going to happen? I'm going to choke, or something. Something bad's going to happen.
1: And have a shot of vodka too before you go on. Yeah, and a glass of red wine the night before. Oh, hey, and obviously the vape. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, remember? Did we get questions
0: about?
2: Oh, yeah, vape but, is like
0: a to yeah, dry powder. <laughs>
2: You're
0: going to see me laying down the floor, legs up, um, with my headphones on. Vape, smoking is. a soggy <laughs> Yeah, with a vape and a glass of wine.
2: Yeah. What You're a king! While, while me and Scotty sprinkle it. dry oats over your body. Yeah,
0: finish bowl next to me of dry oats. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um. Next question. Do you think you boys will ever compete together? That's a good question. Ooh. It is. I, I think it could... We'd definitely compete in the same season. We could line it up that we could depe- compete in the same division, maybe. It would just be depend on who turns pro, who's not a pro, and whether you can compete on amateur stages or not.
2: Yeah, and, and like someone would have to cross a division, potentially, that they would not yeah. normally do. So... Mm. I been mean, in the same season, that, that could maybe we could tear that up. For sure. yeah. We should. Like, I mean, my, I my, could... my, my, my competing career lies in Scott's hands anyway, so that's easy. Scott, you just work out what suits you, and that's when you tell me to compete.
0: <laughs> like, I could see this scenario. I could yeah. see a scenario where potentially <laughs> I, if I become a classic physique pro and then Scotty also becomes a classic physique pro, we could potentially be on stage together. And then potentially cause Scotty is a physique pro and MG wants to be a physique pro, they could potentially be on stage together. I think it just cancels us three, because the only way us three could ever be on stage together is if we're all physique pros, because Scotty's already pro. And well,
1: don't bro. Like, oh, all man, Why don't you chuck the board shorts on? Yeah. Yes, Brisbane, I mean <laughs> Yeah. Do you I, know I, why I just, he's like? I have you seen on. how shredded
2: my hamstrings are? I'm not covering those with shorts. I <laughs> know
1: oh, that is it is frustrating. Were you, <laughs> you teaching physique posing? Yeah, easy. This is what you do. <laughs> so when you hit your rear double, I just I tuck mine down a little bit so you show off those trapezius. <laughs> like, right, remember you
2: told me just. Remember you told me just before I walked out on stage, you're like, pull the shorts up, man. Let him see. Yeah, pull the shorts absolutely. up. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> like thirty seconds before walking on stage, I'm like. Fuck, I haven't done this once in my practice. Fuck it. I'm going to pull the shorts up. So fuck it. I did. If you see my
0: post, I've pulled my shorts up. <laughs> well, Scotty, there's photos of you with your shorts down a little bit in your back double so you can see your glutes. Yeah, so
1: I actually do do it. When I was more so as a fitness pro, I used to not pull my pants sitting on my ass, but I've got reasonably good-sized glutes, so they would sit the shorts would sit just above them. So when I would hit that, I would flex my glutes. And yeah, you could see that my glutes were totally a- faded. And in boardies, you can sort of do the same thing. It's a little bit harder, but then why don't we do it? If you just tick that box this season, and then all we need is MG next year, just join the party. Amazing. Then maybe 2024 20, or six or whatever it is. We- it, could, I it could work because men's physique at the
0: national show is after the classic physique division. So I'll be yeah. done with Classic. I'll be done. i have just chuck my boardies on. Jump in an open lineup. Po- posing's easy, man. I can
1: teach you the posing in an hour. we will be sweet. We should do sweet. it. Ready.
0: Stay tuned.
2: Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Hey, you also just got the title for this podcast, Pulling Down uh, Scott's Shorts to Reveal His Ass.
0: Yeah. Pull your shorts down. Show us your glutes.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, do it, bro. That's sick. let's, uh, let's, let's- we'll have to talk off air about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, n- no one say anything. Yeah, it's kill between us.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, our secret. Just and then the other like, option
1: is like maybe a guest. Can you, run, a, can you run an edit on this bit so just like it blanks out for like this conversation and then just go back and everyone's just smiling?
0: Uh, I, I, I trust everyone. This is like a circle of silence between everyone that's watching this. I trust everyone. Yeah. No one's gonna say nothing.
1: Mm. Let's do it. Is anyone that's in men's physique that's competing, just got real. Oh, shit. Yeah, shit. everything's yeah. covered.
0: I'm not coming for your Men's Physique Pro. It's all good. It's all good, boys. It's all good. <laughs> Love it. All right, let's finish on this one, uh, which I think is, is interesting, actually. Um, why do coaches track steps rather than distance? Good. Yeah. Actually, this is a bloody good question.
2: Like, in, in theory, if you could somehow effectively and efficiently track distance... You could potentially use distance to do the same thing, but the reason is how freaking hard it is to stand up. Let's just say I'm going from here. we finished this podcast, right, because I know Chimboli's busting. So Chimboli stands up, and he runs to the toilet because he's busting. Does he measure out, fuck, it was 26 metres to the toilet. He adds it in, 26 metres. He walks back, 26 metres. Now, I understand distance is easy when you're on a treadmill or distance is easy if you're going for a long walk, but tracking the day-to-day Movements would just be fucking impossible, so that's why steps are a far easier measurement because we're able to, you know, approximately um, know how much energy you're going to expend based on doing a certain step amount. And tracking distance would just be way too
0: fucking hard. I think I think people need to think of steps as like if, let's just talk. If you're wearing a watch, right? So you a good watch will actually track steps. It also also tracks distance, elevation. Tracks a lot of different things. Even just a basic Fitbit, so you can get your distance and your steps off your watch. The thing is, is that steps more tracks movement. Think about movement, right? As And that's what we're trying to track. We're trying to track your movement, not so much your steps. It's more about how much you're moving and what you're doing and how, much you're, how active you are. Whereas distance is tracking like how much you're traveling, right? Also, you can say too, everyone has different stride length. So if you're trying to prescribe a distance to someone, it'd be really difficult because it could be based on their stride length, right? And also people are striding differently depending on how they're walking around, right? Are they walking around in a circle? Are they walking straight line? Are they turning a lot of corners? Mm -hmm. Whereas you can say, hey, you know, do 12K steps, which means 12K, 12 of something, 12 of movement. And that's easy prescription to make. But what I'd like people to do, whoever asked that question is track both and see if they're consistently the same. If you always get 12K steps, and also get five kilometers a day. I'd, I'd be really I might start doing it myself. Is actually track my steps against my distance and see whether I'm always traveling the same amount for the amount of movement I'm doing. And I won't sure.
2: sleep tonight now, thinking oh, I'm, I'm not going to sleep. I know what he does. He comes, He gets an idea. Like, I've had chats with this bloke who, like, is thinking about things that he's going to input in his client check ins and, like, has to get
0: out of bed and fucking do it. Bro? <laughs> This morning, I did that. <laughs> I to five, five to six because I had an idea. I was like, I'm not going to get back to bed. I got <laughs> my laptop, sat up in my bed, put it in my lap, turned my TV on, and started fixing what I wanted to do for my work to do with uh, peak weeks and stuff.
2: Yeah,
0: That's, That's exactly boring. what I did this morning because I can't sleep. If I got an idea, I was like, I need to do it now. Hey, but mm-hmm. can we just touch on? Can we just toilet,
2: tell everyone about the fucking beautiful moment we had as a group last week after the posing workshop? The fucking ro- the bromance.
0: Yeah, I got a- nice. I, I hugged. I got, we got some nice cuddles. <laughs> yeah.
1: <we did>. <laughs> but, <laughs> do you want to
0: people what you were feeling like? Yeah. Okay. So, the last I want to say four to six weeks, my weight's been coming down, but it's been a bit of a prick, right? And we've made some adjustments, but. You know, it just hasn't been moving as fast as what we thought, but we haven't been panicking, right? And then all of a sudden, I think it was uh, last week or the week before, the week before when I hit a a weight low over the weekend, I dropped like two kgs in in a day, day or two, right? I was telling you boys. And at that same time that I dropped that weight and I've kept that weight off, even though I've had refeeds this week, the weight has stayed down even post-refeeds. Crazy, Right. Yeah, man. It actually marks a big milestone. I've lost 20 kgs in this prep. 20 kgs. Yeah. So I don't know if this (laughs) aligns, but after that weight drop and it stayed down, I was telling the boys that I feel really lovey, like at peace, and just, you know, I saw my niece and nephew, and all I wanted to do was hug them. I went over to my parents' house, and I was just telling my mum that I love her and i was telling my dad i was asking my dad to show show me all the little things he's been doing around the house and just telling me telling him how proud i was of him i was like in this really <laughs> lovey happy ha- place man just you're in a good place. space and i've yeah. been like that ever since that point that turning point and i don't know why it's just maybe my body just released uh, maybe i was just ready i was just like i'm ready to do this i'm happy that i'm doing this yeah, and you're happy with yourself it I've wanted to do this for myself for so long. As I said, I don't care about the result. The fact that I'm putting time and energy and being a little bit selfish and doing something for myself that I haven't done in so long, I'm just so incredibly grateful and happy. And I've learned yeah. so much that I need to make sure I continue to do this and continue to do things for myself. Not a prep, but just like things for myself. Sure. I think maybe that realization came through and I was you – know, I'm a very big podcast listening person. I was listening to a certain amount of podcasts at that time and all different types of podcasts. I think maybe this all clicked into place, so sometimes a weight drop has nothing to do with your plan and has nothing to do with your mindset
2: yeah and just your body's
0: and I suppose Scott
2: and I took advantage of it right we're just like let's let's can get all the love, love off people like hug. we can right <laughs> <No>. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> we had a really good hug and uh, I can't wait to have another hug on show day yeah given yeah. our three hugs on show day three hugs.
2: So, guys, anyone that's listening that wants to come and watch Trimboli, if you're a um, if you're a fan of the podcast and you want to see MT and his striated glutes, uh, the show starts at ten o'clock at the Kingston Arts Centre in Morabin. Michael Trimboli should be on, you know, sometime after eleven. Um, the show will conclude at about twelve thirty. So, if you want to come and watch MT, the show starts at ten. You'll be out of there by twelve thirty. Come and show support. Come up and say hello to him. Take a photo with him. He'll be peeled as, and then he's going to chase the physique pro card later on, as you've heard here first. Which is
0: basic. <laughs> I've got some other shows still to go. <laughs> and, um, then you have got show two, right? Which is all the females after that.
2: Well, no, we've got men's fi- men's fitnesses in that one as well. Okay, so we've got theme wear, men's fitness, and then we've got bikini, and then we finish with female fitness. So, yeah,
0: and it's just an intermission, right? They're not separate. Tickets. It's an
2: intermission. It's a half an hour break. Matty Orchard's going to guest pose. Another bombshell. Yeah. Matty Orchard will be the guest posing. That will happen at about twelve thirty. Um, we'll take a thirty-minute break, let the judges reset. Just you know, get a get a drink, off, go to the toilet, come back fresh, and just go. Uh, about one fifteen till four thirty. Show should be, awesome. should be done. So exciting! I'm
0: looking forward to it, boys. I'm looking forward to seeing you all there, giving us free hugs, taking yeah. photos with you wants to take a photo. But we've got a potty next week, so uh, we will be chatting very, very yeah. soon. And, guys, if
2: you do listen to the potty and you come to the show, come up and introduce yourself. Come say hello to us. We'd love to yeah, uh, love to
0: sure. meet yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, boys. Take care. Thanks,
2: Have a great week. Good chat. Thanks,
0: right.
2: everyone. Thanks for listening. See you, boys. Ciao.